I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller. I'm joined in the studio by Andy Robb, my producer, and also Ken Prow, our director of audio services. This week, guys, we are going to be talking about the spring forecast Zone by zone. We need spring. We now. we do. I always I need spring starting in like the end of December. So I'm always ready for it. But this week we are going to be talking to our long range meteorologist, Max Vito and Paul Pastelock. And we're not only going to be talking about the spring breakdown mm-hmm. zone by zone, but also this past weekend, really tragic situation. There were at least a dozen tornadoes that touched down in Alabama and Georgia. And over uh, 23 people, at least 23 people, were killed as a result of that. Really, really tragic situation. So you can't help but, when you're doing the spring forecast, to talk about tornadoes, severe weather. It's all part of it. So stay tuned. They're going to break it down for us coming right up. Well, it's always a good day for me when I get to be joined in the studio by Paul Pastelock, our long-range meteorologist, and Max Vito, who are going to be talking to me. You know, I only get to talk to you guys four times a year, really, and I really wish I could talk to you much more often because we usually we do it at the beginning of every season. Well, let's change it. Let's change it. You know we what? Can do it anytime we we can just hang out at my house. Are you, what are you sure guys you doing want to talk to us more often? <laughs> Let me tell you, this is more relaxing talking in this setting. And some of the other talks I've had so far in the last couple months. So I'm this is sure. Great. I'm sure. So, but we're talking about the long range forecast and uh, spring. And so Absolutely. we, you know, we want to break down so that people know zone by zone all across the country what spring is going to look like. So I'm going to ask you guys first off: Is there any standouts this spring and what you can see this spring? Like at least compared to last year, looks like a little more of a seasonable transition. Uh, Last year, we saw that cold really linger across the northern plains, upper Midwest, even the northeast, really into the middle parts of April. There are late season snow events that, you know, disrupted travel, uh, caused airport delays. It was was, was a nasty, (laughs) nasty transition to spring. And that spring-like weather only seemed to last like two to three weeks before it was hot, humid, and May was kind of like a torch month across a a good portion of the United States. I would say there was no spring last year for many places. I mean, Uh, Midwest, northeast. It wasn't a spring. We went from winter to summer. Yeah. I know. And we went to tropical uh, Caribbean summer because, like, (laughs) at some places, like, I know in the Northeast, we were dealing with, like, high humidity, downpours, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, Through the summer months. Yeah. But but, but, but remember, we have to get through the first half of March here. Right. We, We count March, the whole month of March, April, and May in our spring forecast. And... We are starting out very rough here in March. March coming in like a lion, yep, big time here. And the I saw departures in northern Montana at minus 45, 45 degrees wow. below normal. So I mean that's impressive. We got to get through this cold, Max. Right. 
Yeah, and it looks like the, the northern plains, they're going to see the brunt of the cold through most of the month of March. Uh, but I think as we get towards April, unlike last year, this year is going to be a little better there, a little more seasonable. Uh, we could even see temperature departures above normal across those areas in the months of April and May. So I'm sure the folks up there are looking forward to that after uh, what was a, a long-lasting winter um, last year. And, you know, it's been pretty brutal this February and beginning of March. They're going to want to break, I think, once April comes in. I think, right. the, I think the standouts, though, there are still some standouts. I think we're still going to be wet. Gulf states. We're still going to have uh, some fronts. and, and the, the water temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico are, are running above normal still. We're still going to have high dew point air coming into there. And we're still going to have some uh, uh, achieving systems uh, that are going to produce some heavy rain. Achieving we, systems. Yeah, like it, they're, gonna, they're not going to die out when they get to the oh, east. They're okay. going to they're pull some of that Gulf moisture in. And that's unfortunate because it was such a wet year last year. Uh, from the Gulf Coast all the way up through the Mid-Atlantic states, and it looks like they're going to uh, continue that pattern here uh, through the spring. Uh, and then you look at the northwest, we do feel that that area, you know, getting hit now but and over the winter, but they should dry out a little bit. So they may actually get into some drier pockets, some warmer weather up there as the course of the season goes on. And then in the middle, uh, severe weather, which we'll get into more yeah. detail later on. Okay. In the northwest, that was an area we were initially thinking there was going to be a little more drought development uh, during the spring months, but they've been doing rather well in February and the beginning parts of March here yeah. with systems. And the snowpack has definitely grown quite a bit in the Cascades and the Sierras and uh, near yeah. normal or above normal in almost all areas. I don't think drought's going to be as much of an issue this year up there, uh, perhaps some localized areas in the interior northwest um, for, for localized drought. But otherwise, the west looks, you know, they've raced yeah. a lot of drought this winter. So that's good news for the, the folks out there involved with agriculture. That was our biggest change. Uh, we it made was the northwest. Was the north was the west. Okay. From January update to the latest update that we made, uh, we had a bigger area drought. We took it all out. Uh, pretty much we have only some small pockets left of drought. Almost all the drought is pretty much gone out of California. Because of the snow. Because of the season we just had here, yeah. it, it just really helped out. Agriculture is looking really good coming up now. I think that's a big standout. Actually, I think that's a big standout because when have we gone without having at least some drought in California in the recent last recent years? So we're going into spring very good oh, in the West okay. right now. So Okay. And and what does it look like for the Southwest? Uh, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the Cascades and the Pacific Northwest. And uh, what do you think for the Southwest? Yeah, that's a challenging area. Those are places that really start to dry out quite a bit as we get to April and May and I think that's probably going to occur this year, a pretty seasonable transition in those areas, although March could still be active at times, um, get those precipitation events uh, into uh, you know, northern Arizona, the Four Corner region, and they've seen uh, immense improvements in the drought across those areas. They had long-lasting yeah. droughts for, for quite a while uh, in the Four Corner regions, and we've seen some of that erased this winter, so that's also good news for those areas. Eastern areas of New Mexico, western Texas, still has a long-term drought going on. The, the conditions are not perfect yet there, and they may warm up from time to time in the spring, mm -hmm. uh, but these upper-level systems are going to still keep coming in there, but uh, the seasonal change is that they don't have a lot of moisture when they go through the southwest, mm -hmm. but they fuel the fire for severe weather in the plains. And so we still have to see whether or not one or two of those systems can produce a little precipitation in the southwest. So it may not be perfectly dry in the southwest this spring, but it will be drier from what they've been seeing. We just got to get through March, and March is still active here in, in the southwest. Okay. And then you guys talked about the, um, you know, the southeast, mid-Atlantic.
Atlantic as far as wet, um, you know, last year, and it looks like the storms will, con- like the things will still hold together across the southeast, probably into the mid-Atlantic in the spring. What about the northeast? I think the Northeast is not too bad. I mean, it's a, a, a normal transition in the spring, and then we could see some drier weather develop across eastern Canada and northern areas of New England that could work its way down from time to time. So we could get some drier periods at times into the Northeast. The problem is if it's wet in the Tennessee Valley, those systems will come east. Most, I would say that more than half would end up, you know, kind of wimping out and losing their punch getting to the east so you don't get a lot of moisture. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be one or two that's going to achieve. So it's not going to be completely and perfectly dry in the Northeast, but we could see some good, uh, you know, three or four days of nice weather, which will get people outside gardening and planting. And things look pretty good, I think, down the road here. Yeah, and just to compare it to last year, because that's in the back of people's mind, I think we had some snow events that continued into the second week of April Mm -hmm, uh, in the Northeast last year to, you know, the I-95 corridor. We aren't expecting that this year overall, you know, just a much better transition. Uh, Cold first half of March, I think when we get towards the second half of March, uh, we're going to start to see a little more impressive warm-ups ahead of these cold fronts. Um, But it's still going to be back and forth. You know, it's the spring. You'll get those days in the 50s and 60s ahead of the fronts and then 40s and even upper 30s behind it. So um, better than last year, but still a little bit to go, I think, before we really get that sustained warmth in the Northeast. Okay. Remember, it got hot last year, too, in early May. May. Right. We see warm-ups. We we don't see that kind of extreme heat coming in at this point. So Just what you would end. expect. Yeah, maybe, exactly. You know, upper 70s, something like that, maybe. Exactly. Um, well, what are some of the components maybe this year that you really looked at that maybe were your standout components when you were putting this forecast together? Yeah, so it's a, it's a challenging forecast this year. Uh, we're seeing a, we're in an El Nino um, atmosphere, but it's not your traditional El Nino. It's more uh, based over the Central Pacific with your uh, higher SST anomalies. Um, sea surface, sea surface, surface temperature temperatures anomalies. for the average yes. person listening in. Uh, so that could drive some of the forecasts, lead to a, a little more of an active jet stream, um, and, and bring some of that those active systems through the southwest. Not producing a lot of precipitation there, but as they get into the southern plains and the Gulf Coast, doing quite well, you know, helping out those systems and uh, fueling, uh, you know, high precipitation amounts across those areas. Um, Not a whole lot of blocking in the northern areas. We saw a good reorganization of the polar vortex um, in the later half of winter, so we're not really seeing uh, that cold uh, in place in the northern parts um, in north central and northeast as we get into like the middle part of spring in, in April it looks more organized this year uh, more of a west to east flow across those areas. I think that's the big one there Max is the difference from last year to this year is that the polar vortex is reorganized already back over the polar region when you see that it introduces more westerlies west to east flow in the mid latitudes more zonal live, more zonal so that you have fast moving systems typical in spring and so you don't have the major extremes that you did uh, you know, like last year. Last year, we had uh, a disruption late in the winter season that lasted throughout much of the spring. And so that polar vortex, well, the the effects of it uh, lasted much longer into the mid part of spring. 
And so we had all the cold and the extremes going on. We don't have that this year. Right, because when you look, um, just so, you know, kind of like trying to paint the picture for the listeners, because when you look at it and the polar vortex is not organized, it's it'll be dropping down. You'll have that jet stream yeah. will take the big ridge on mm-hmm. one side, the big dip on the other, because of the fact that it's almost like you picture the polar vortex kind of like wobbling down in. It's more con- amplification of yeah, the pattern. Yeah, right, know? the patterns. Yeah. So. And that's what produces those extremes and right. notice, more notice weather real roller coaster yes. kind of weather yeah. so um now one thing you mentioned max was el nino sea surface temperatures and the fact that you may have more of those systems coming across the southwest and heading to the northeast and so one of the things i want to talk about because that helps to contribute to the severe weather that you often get across the southeast correct yes yeah, so the el nino uh, type atmosphere can it can actually be a, a negative factor to severe weather over the, the t- typical tornado alley regions of like eastern uh, Texas into Oklahoma, parts of Kansas. Uh, but it, it can be a plus factor once you get farther east um, along the Gulf Coast uh, into parts of Florida, uh, in, into um, you know southern parts of Georgia and Alabama, Mississippi, uh, with a more suppressed track. Um, but you know every El Nino is different, and this year is kind of a little bit of a hybrid, a hybrid El Nino type pattern. So, Paul, do you want to get into that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it started late, and so there's a there's another thing. Usually, in El, El Nino's weaken as they get into spring and early summer. This one's starting late. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, if you go back to 2015, uh, it was an El Nino. Uh, season and we had a very active uh, late April and May period with tornadoes, and there were a lot of them were in the central part of the U.S., not along the Gulf Coast. So there are different types and different scenarios that could take right. place. So ENSO is not there's other complete. Things, there's yeah. other things that have to be factored in, and there's three ingredients to really hit on that's going on this year. Okay. First of all, we talked about the Gulf of Mexico, warmer than normal than last year, warmer than last year, and still warmer than normal. That's going to give you the moisture you want the higher the low dew levels, points there the higher in. dew points in the low levels coming into uh you know that section of the country then you have the upper level features which we talked about coming out of the southwest you know fairly dry in the southwest but they br- they bring the energy uh right. and the dry le- dry area you need at mid levels to get the circulation going and then the contrast that's set up between the cold that's still lingering over the north central rockies and, you know, the, the more warm and moist air that's down along the Gulf Coast, there's a good contrast that sets up. So all those ingredients are going to pull that low-level moisture out of the Gulf towards the Plain States, which it hasn't been doing too often over the last 10 years. We've only seen a, a couple of years where it has done that, 2015 In your typical example. tornado in alley. T- in typical tornado alley, which is Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, western Missouri, and Iowa. And so, you know, people have said over the past couple of years in their research that they thought that Tornado Alley is kind of readjusting, shifting. Moving, shifting east. This year, it looks to me that that may kind of go against that idea just this year, and we think that things are going to pull a little bit farther. It doesn't mean that you can't get any severe weather farther east. It just seems like the concentrated worst of the severe weather, the tornadic activity, may end up being over the central and southern U.S. this year. May make a return to the a little further to the west. Exactly. Right. Now, speaking of severe weather and tornadoes, I mean, we've already started a season with, you know, exceptional situation earlier this week, you know, with uh, many deaths here across parts of Georgia and, you know, really sad situation. Now, one thing that we've been talking about here is can 
tornadic activity, the amount of tornadoes, numbers, can that be predicted? Seasonal you're talking about? And I'm seasonal. talking about a seasonal kind of forecast, the way we do with hurricanes. Let me let me divide this out here a little bit. First of all, just I want to throw in here and plug in that we got to watch this weekend. Okay, It has been seen by our office uh, since last week that there could be a pretty good outbreak in the middle of the nation, midsection of the nation, coming up this weekend. So be prepared for that. How do we see that? Conditions, favorable conditions look like that, the upper patterns. As far as the actual numbers in a seasonal perspective, we have been doing this for a few years now. Our team, improving our skill. Research is out there. The skill level is getting better and better, but it's still very challenging for tornadoes. But our clients have requested this, our subscriptional clients, that can you pinpoint the amount of tornadoes you can see in a year? Well, which is really, really hard because they're almost impossible to get the exact number. Right. Um, but at the same time, we can give them an idea from normal, from last year, and we use analog data looking at past years to help us, along with what we've learned from the research, to put together a table to give to them so they can strategize mm-hmm. from that number what it looks like from the past five years that they had to use for their product, whatever it is, management, damage management, those kind of things, and use it to their advantage to get ahead. So this is a statistical expectation just because you're just kind of putting different components to kind of hedge our bets in a certain way or a certain area? Yes, and and Max is working on an analog tool to help improve that statistical manner. But at the same time, we have to control the weights that go into this thing. So So your inputs. There's input. There's some skill involved from the the forecaster itself. This is challenging, and many other people try to do this too as well, and we continue to work on it. Our clients like it. They like the information ahead of time, and we think the public deserves to to know ahead of time what we're thinking in a season. To say above normal, people may say, what does that mean? It's just like in the past when we we used to predict snowfall. We predict below and above now we got television stations asking us so how much how much give us give us an idea of amounts and so it's changed the 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 technology has changed the research has been you know unbelievable so we felt that it's time for us to start using this and, and applying it. And that's so, what we're doing. so it's interesting to me because the, um, you know, we just had a conversation last week where we were talking about how social media has changed the way we message, or the public's expectation of what we should provide yeah. has changed because people want specifics uh, of things. I mean, I, I agree. I've taken some heat a little bit on social media. So people are like, they think we want to know how much is above average. So you you give a number, which is not expected to be. We don't, we don't the exact the, number. This is more of a. It's it, it's almost impossible to get the exact number from year to year, but it gives you what we produced out of our model, out of our analog tool. That's the number that was pulled. You're out. just tell, you're just saying, okay, we'll just tell you what we know based upon modeling and our what we use. Yeah. So this had typically been done kind of behind the scenes. For years. And at this point, you're just saying, well, we'll put it up there. But it gives us an idea from normal where you're leaning towards. If I told you there's going to be 900 to 1,100 tornadoes this year, well, that's a pretty big range. Right. Okay, where are you leaning on? Are you leaning on the 1,100 or are you leaning on the 900? Because right. last year was a, a down year. 
Right. So giving the number, it shows you where we're leaning towards, but then it gives you the, uh, you know, the response to say, okay, in between here is where we're going to be looking at this coming year. Okay. Very interesting. Well, thanks so much for everything that you've provided us, all the information, and I always enjoy talking to you guys. All right. Enjoy the spring, everyone. (laughs) Have a great day. And if you want to get the full details on the 2019 spring forecast, just head on over to AccuWeather.com. Right. You can get all the information there. And you know what, uh, guys, I think it's important, too, to discuss some tornado safety because we are heading into that season. We've already seen some uh, tornadoes that have caused some major destruction. Yeah, sadly. Some of the advice is if you can safely get into a sturdy building, obviously, you want to do so immediately as soon as you hear a tornado warning. And I want to let people know also the difference between a watch and a warning is if you have a watch, that means conditions are conducive to the development of tornadoes. But once you get a warning, it's either been sighted on radar or, you know, one has been seen in the vicinity or it's imminent. So there is, when you get a warning, it is time to immediately take action. Yeah, that's when you want to go to a safe room, a basement, storm cellar, anywhere to get protected at that point. Right. And, and if you're in a building with no basement, then you want to get to a small interior room on the lowest level. Yeah, stay away from all windows, doors, and outside walls, for sure. And you don't want to get, it, like if you're driving, you do not want to get under an overpass or a bridge. You're safer in a low, flat location. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a big one for a lot of people because you think, all right, I'm going to take shelter underneath a bridge or an overpass. Do not do that. And you also want to watch out for any flying debris that can cause injury or death. And uh, also, you know, if you are in an interior room and a, a building, use your arms, use whatever you can to protect your head and your neck. So all these are really good pieces of advice. And so we want you to be safe. Like we said, you can always keep up to date with the latest forecast by going to AccuWeather.com. Yeah, we hope you never really have to use these tips, of course. We always want you to stay safe. But if you do, please take that under advisement for sure. It's nothing to mess around with. Be sure to join us next week because we are going to be talking about the blizzard of 1993. That's right. We did an episode before about the blizzard of 96, but now we're going to go back to what they were calling the storm of the century with the blizzard of 1993. So we hope you'll tune in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast.